Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 107. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how heaven is a lot like Bitcoin. <laughs> and I'm Mike, and I'm going to be talking about the tangible connection of prayer to the intangible expressions of faith and hope. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. We got Pastor Mike on today. Hey, guys. Thanks for being with yeah. us. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time. And we're just meandering. I love it. We're just taking our time through the book of First Peter, yeah. which I'm thankful for after going through the first chapter because it is so dense. Yeah. There's so much going on. And I feel like we've been able to like not rush it, but yeah. be able to really unpack a lot of the, just what are you kind of enjoying maybe about the Exile series in general to start yeah, the year? Yeah, pacing for sure. I, I'm enjoying just the very, I don't know, careful pace mm. at which we're approaching this. And there are even times when I'm like, wow, can we slow down just a little bit more? Cause it's like, wow, there's even more there's so there. Much there. Yeah. yeah. So it's been, it's, which is different for, I feel like an HTC rhythm. We, mm -hmm. we cover usually pretty large sections of scripture at yep. a time and that's a kind lot of been normal. And yeah. So this is, it's different and it's really, it's nice. I, I am hoping everybody's feeling the same way yeah. <laughs> as I am. Yeah. Um, cause I really, really love that. Um, you know, obviously, um, yeah, just loving, you know, Peter's perspective that, man, this, we aren't at home. Mm. Um, and there's a part of us that wants to be, mm -hmm. we kind of want to settle mm -hmm. in here and just kind of make it feel like this is comfortable, yep. you know, like yep. an old shoe or whatever, but, but it's not supposed to be that way. And, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I've, I've just, I, I've just been enjoying just pursuing that for myself and just kind of seeing how that all that that works out even yeah. personally and with my wife and I because you know it's it's a new season of life for us and and uh yeah it just it's it's interesting how this is speaking even to where where mm. we've personally been at so mm. yeah. yeah and I do think that's like there's something unique about Hebrews and first Peter mm. they almost make not being at home seem kind of like appealing or like they make this kind of where we're at in this season and this moment, not yet being at home, but longing to be at home. They bring an element of like beauty and hope and excitement and anticipation to it. That's like, yeah, I don't want to settle for this. Like I don't want to, I, right. I want the next home. Like right. I want that true home yeah. and I want to keep my focus there and stop settling for just trying to make this as good as I can here right yeah. now. Yeah. You know, it almost gives you kind of like a holy discontentment with that. Yeah, the the phrase that kind of has, I don't know, started clicking in my brain is is uncomfortable grace. Mm. It's like I have, I've received this amazing gift. Mm. I have some of it now, but the but the lion, the, the really good part of it is waiting. Mm. And so it's great grace. There's, but there's an uncomfortable side of it. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm living in this this tension, and I have some, but I don't have all, and some of the really good stuff I've got to wait for. And, yeah, oh, I don't want to wait for it. I kind of want it now, but I, but I also kind of am here, and I want to enjoy every part of being here right now and make the most of this too. Yeah. So yeah, it's just this. <laughs> yeah. Ongoing tension in yeah. my life. Yeah. Which is like that's exactly where an honest and faithful reading of scripture is going to keep bringing us yeah. is like back to these. You know, it's great because they're tension-filled points for us. They're not 
tension filled at all for God. They're like rest in <laughs> yeah. perfect unity for him. Yeah. But in following him, we find so much tension because yeah. we want to lean to an extreme or another. Yeah. And it's like we just are held right in this like perfect tension that's really difficult for us initially. But I think we find so much peace in like, wow, this is, I'm truly following Jesus when I'm living in tension because I don't choose tension. I choose extremes. Like, yeah. so it's like, okay, I'm clearly following something different here if I'm living in tension because that's not normal for me, yeah. you know? Yep. So that's a good sign. We've yep. got a pulse of life there. Well, I've got a few questions for you based Great. on this weekend's message. We were in uh, verse 17 all the way through 21 uh, this weekend. Um, just a beautiful, like such a succinct way to talk about just the work of Jesus on the cross and the hope of the gospel. Um, and, uh, and you know, it begins though with that idea of being under the father's judgment yeah. and that almost kind of informing some of the caution with which we live our lives. Yeah. And there's probably, as people are hearing that this weekend or even now, there's probably two groups of people there's like one group of people that's like, ah, but like the father loved me enough to send Jesus. So it's like, who even cares? And then there's another group of people that's probably like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared for that moment. Mm -hmm. Like I do not, like I cannot imagine being under the judgment of the father and this just like deep, deep fear that's almost like paralyzing. Like I don't want to do anything because right. I don't want to come under the judgment of the father. Yeah. And so you, again, have those extremes that we're naturally going to go to. One like, but he's really just going to like wink at me and let me go through. And then another that's like, I don't want to do anything because I'm so scared of this idea. So how do we take this? You know, Peter's intention is like really clearly to lead us to be cautious and measured in how we live our life and not just live our life with kind of no framework or no frame of reference for what is to come. And so how do we enter into that tension filled place of like, no, it's good for me to like be aware that there will be this judgment, but also I know I have the blood of Jesus, so I know I've got both of these things. How do we kind of practically get into that tension-filled space instead of being paralyzed or you know just throwing it all to the wind? Yeah, I, uh, for me, one of the things that Pastor Todd mentioned was um, uh, just the idea that you know we all have earthly fathers. Mm. Some had, you know, from again from an earthly perspective, really good fathers, yeah. and some really some pretty poor examples of what a father ought to be. And and yet, even those of us who had really good fathers from an earthly perspective, really far, they fall far short of where God as father is. Yeah, there's a big gap. Yeah, and but there's a filter, right? So we all kind of come to scripture with this filter and, and some of it is like our filter gets more and more informed over time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, we want, when we read that word father, um, we, we want this filter that really has an understanding, a very well-informed, biblically informed view of what father mm. is supposed to be. And that, mm. that just takes time. And so, uh, you know, for, you know, for our people, um, it, it, you, you may be in all kinds of different places, but um, just allow over time your view of what it looks like to be father. Um, allow that to be informed by scripture, mm. not necessarily your experience here here on earth. Again, whether good or bad. Yeah. Um, so that that to me was important. Mm. Um, but then at the, also the separation of these two um, concepts of father and judge. And mm. We have a father who will judge, and he he serves as judge of the universe. But but our relationship with him 
um, according to Peter, is he is our father. Mm. And so, um, the, uh, anyway, I, uh, uh, you were just asking about how do we get out of that, that idea of, man, I'm so afraid of yeah. judgment um, versus, oh, you know, uh, no, no big deal. And, and uh, for, for me, um, I, I just, I've just come to this place to, to, to appreciate um, the fact that, that my standing before God on judgment day will not be as one who will be condemned and sent away mm. from him because he is my father. Mm. So he will not judge me eternally and I'll be condemned and sent away from him eternally. Mm. Um, that's been taken care of mm -hmm. because of what Jesus has done. So I, I rest in that. And yet there is this judgment that says, how did you live mm. your life as my, as my child, as mm. my son? And, uh, and just a longing to, in my own heart, to just grow in my ability to, to be just a productive part of the family, mm. uh, to be a good son, to be a good son that he, he, uh, he looks at and, you know, says, well done, good job. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I gave you these things and man, you, you grew faithfully in, you know, just kind of exercising what it looks like to be a, a son or a daughter of God. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's, um, I think part of the way that I, I work through that. Um, yeah. 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 I love that. I love that idea of father and judge, because I think Peter's bringing both of those up together mm -hmm. on, on purpose. You know, it's almost like, like, I love what you're saying. We can't just let any experience of a father or a judge, if you've been in that rare yep. environment of standing before a judge, you can't let either of those inform what this is. Yet at the same time, God chooses both of those images because we have a context for them. Yeah. So it's giving us some framework, some frame yeah. of reference for like, okay, we kind of know what a dad's like, and we yeah. kind of know what a judge is like. And he's a different kind of dad, and he's a different kind of judge, but we kind of know what those are like. Yeah. And that's on purpose because mixing that father and judge, well, what do kids feel so comfortable, most kids feel so comfortable doing, well, running into their dad's presence and bringing any need to him. I mean, I think if you're looking to grow in, you know, what you were saying, which was so good, that like filter that says, well, what does the Bible say God is like as a father? I just think about the Sermon on the Mount and the way that Jesus is like really connecting his audience to understanding that the father is someone who cares for them, who wants to take care of their needs, wants them to bring their anxieties to him. Like that kind of a really good framework for this father. This father image is supposed to be one of dependence and I run to my father and I feel comfortable bringing needs and issues and worry and concern to my dad. But then at the same time, this idea of judge is, you know, captured in so much of the ideas that Paul has well, where grace is to sin abound all the more, like absolutely not. Like we don't yeah. just keep sinning. And that, I think that natural thought that can enter into any of our minds when we come into Christ initially, which is like, does he even care what I do now? Like, am I just, do I just kind of have this like freedom to do whatever I want to do? What is freedom in Christ? Can I just live how I want to live now? It's like, you should look at Leviticus because God cares about the craziest details yeah. of your life. And so I think it's this reminder of like, I've got this ability to rest and to be, I'm not a servant, I'm a son, I'm yeah. a daughter. 
there's a place for me at the table. There's an inheritance for me. Like nothing can, those aren't worked for. Those are just mine. Mm -hmm. And I get to enjoy that. And I get to enjoy running into and resting in the presence of God at any given moment. But then God cares how I live. Like anytime we have that thought pop into my head, does God really care about X? The answer is always yes. Like, you know, we ask that question of ourselves all the time. Does God really care about how I talk to this person or if I deal honestly or dishonestly? I mean, you and I were just talking about before we got on here, my issue I'm having with my insurance company and trying to figure out the moral ethics of it. Does God really care? Yeah, he cares that I operate with integrity in all of these different spaces of my life, not just these ones I deem spiritual or unspiritual. And so that idea of judge is really good for us to say, yeah, God does care. And so I get to rest in his presence, but he cares how I live. And I think uh, another thing that's helpful to me is just like, um, so my my son is now married Mm -hmm. and and I I just think about how he was five years and under. Hmm. I had certain things he I wanted him to do like if I if if I told him to do something I wanted him to to obey I wanted yeah. him to hear what I was saying and do what I was asking him to do um because I knew what was good for him and he really didn't at 5 years of age so don't touch that hot stove you're yeah. going to get burnt I wanted him to obey um and yet there there just wasn't a, a great understanding of why he should obey unless he experienced the pain. Mm. Um, you know, like if I told him to stop, especially if he was running out in the street to chase a ball or something like that, I wanted him to stop again for his own good. And he may be like, but there's my ball. I, you know, I want it. And I think it's the same thing for us. I think God as our father know, knows us. He knows what stage of our mm. development we're mm. in. He's so patient with us. And, um, you know, part of it is, you know, sometimes we obey and we don't even under, we don't even know why mm-hmm. we're just doing we're doing what he says. Or sometimes we disobey and we didn't understand why. And then, oh, then here comes the pain. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, yeah. So my son now is married. He's you know, he's he's an adult. And, you know, I'm still his father. I still care for him. I, I still have this re- relationship, but it's it's much different mm-hmm. now than when he was five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I think some for some for some of us, it's just being aware of well, you know, how long have I known this God mm-hmm. as my Father, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of understood what what it is that it's like to relate to Him that way. Um, I think my son understands now um, much more just how much I've loved him over the course of his life, and he 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 kind of wants to know my thoughts and mm-hmm. uh, insights on things. Because he's come to actually like trust. Yeah, my, the proof's in the pudding over time. Yeah, and so it's like, man, I, I really respect my dad's opinion, his view on things, and I kind of want to know what he thinks because that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, not, always, not always the case. We see things differently, but, you know, it's just different. It's a different relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's another great indication of something that we kind of know when it comes to dads in general there's stages to that father and child relationship. And I think God similarly conveys that again in this image for us of revealing himself as father, that he, you know, those great kind of lines in the Psalms, he knows our frame 
and he remembers that we're dust and he knows the stages that we're at. And so his expectations of us are fair and they're reasonable and his instructions for us are for our good and our benefit. And so I think, man, that's, that should invoke in us greater trust the longer that we walk with him and a greater desire to please him, knowing that he does care about every detail of our life, not just you know, not just the big mountaintop moments, not just the raising our hands and praise and worship moments. Yeah. He cares about all the little details. Again, you should read Leviticus if you think otherwise. <laughs> um, I'm also struck by, we talked about this in teaching team today as well, because it'll come up again this weekend, but I'm struck by how frequently Peter is using the word imperishable, <laughs> or he is focused yeah. on perishing, or really what he's focused on is the not perishing things of our yeah. faith, that our hope being in heaven means it's not going to perish or spoil or fade, and that we've been purchased with the imperishable blood of Christ. Yep. And so I'm just thinking, you've got Peter writing to specific people that he has in his mind. They're facing persecution and loss already at this point. Yep. Um, likely in their kind of more in the Jewish community right now, they're facing a lot of loss, and he is almost prophetically writing this as they're about to face an incredible amount of persecution from their Roman oppressors. And as he's writing this and he's focused on this word perishable, I'm just wondering what the significance of perishable, imperishable was for Peter as he's writing this, because it just keeps coming up and why it's so important for his readers to understand the kind of imperishable nature of our hope and even Jesus's sacrifice. When I I even love his use of the words here, gold and silver, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. we've seen the ads on TV for, you know, buy gold, buy Uh silver, uh you know, it's good. And um, we have a we have a view of gold and silver as these things that last and hold their value. Yeah. And yet he would say, no, that's perishable. Mm. And as valuable as it is in this world, it it holds no value in eternity. Mm. And it's like, wow, that's that's kind of crazy to think about. Um, um, the reality for the follower of Jesus is, again, this uncomfortable grace, knowing that everything we have in this world will be lost. Mm. It, it is only the things that are done that are of an imperishable quality yeah, yeah, that endure forever. And so Christ went to the cross. Uh, he shed his perishable blood in, in one sense, his mm-hmm. human blood, his, mm-hmm. his life blood was poured out but but it was that shedding of that blood that that had an imperishable quality to it because it purchased the eternal life of all those who would trust in him yeah which is just yeah it's mind-boggling in one sense and yet it's um and it's humbling um but yeah i just i I was thinking about this idea that man i Every relation, every person that I know on this earth, um, that relationship will be lost in death at some point. Sorry, sorry to be so morbid. Yeah. Um, but the, but that's just a reality. Yeah. Every everything that I gain, the the house, the the vacations, all that stuff goes away mm-hmm. at some point. 
even the myth of the memories that yeah. you know like yeah. it's like those are not those are all memories of perishable things you know yeah but i jesus purchased me for an imperishable reality mm. um and I, I i i'm still learning what that looks like to live in this perishable world in a perishable body with a i, I have a uh, an expiration date stamped on my life yeah. that God knows, and uh, how, how can I, how do I live today, right mm-hmm. now, um, and hopefully even engaging in this conversation about imperishable things has an imperishable quality to it. Yeah. So even to think on that, that's that's a good imperishable thing to do, to consider this and to ask God, help me yeah. understand what's imperishable in yeah. this life. And uh, pursue it. Pursue it. Yeah. Pursue that, invest in that, Yeah. rather than gold, silver, um, things that, again, that, that there's, a, there's a, a, a temporary earthly value that rises and falls relative to this perishable world, but yeah, it it'll all it'll all be gone one day. Yeah, and uh, what will remain? Yeah, that uh, that will last eternally. It's kind of like, um, like I feel, I feel like there's, we just don't even have a frame of reference, because it's like, what do we know? What do we have right here that we can see, taste, touch, and smell that is imperishable? Yeah, nothing. I mean, like. All of the things that we own are physical and wearing away and literally wasting away day by day. Like, which again, sorry, this is like really morbid to talk about. But it's the kind of like, you know, Ecclesiastes idea, if you think about it too long, it's like really overwhelming the meaninglessness of everything. Like our political structures are fading away. Our, like everything is perishing in front of our very eyes. Like nothing it, in front of our eyes is lasting. And to think about something that will never perish. We've all had like a, a great bite of food and then we go back for the next one and it's not nearly as good as the first one. Mm, yeah. The idea of something that will always be just as good as it was the first time and never never lose any of its awe and and beauty and enjoyment and effectiveness. It's just like, we just don't even have a context for that. But I almost think some of this is like, because as he's writing this, a lot of these people are going to begin losing their perishable things. And so I think he's trying to free us up from our clutch on the perishable so that we would seek to take hold of the imperishable. I almost kind of think like as I've been thinking through this perishable, imperishable thing, I've been thinking of another perishable thing, uh, which is cryptocurrency. Mm. But I've been thinking about, you know, it was like a couple of years ago, Mike, that we were all saying, man, if I had put 50 bucks into Bitcoin 20 years ago, how (laughs) much money would I have right now? And I think this idea of shifting from the perishable stuff to the imperishable stuff is like Peter is an early adopter to Bitcoin. He knows what yeah. the, he knows where the real good stuff is coming. Yeah. And it's like, why not invest in that stuff now? Why not put your whole life savings into that now? Because there is coming a time 
that we are inheriting this thing that is imperishable. So why not put all of your investment, all of your chips there? Why would you keep any? This is the most like sure thing. And this isn't cryptocurrency where it's gonna go up and down and crash like crazy. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is something that will always hold its value, that will always, but it's almost that, you know, we all kind of became like micro investors around the pandemic. Mm. And I think it's kind of that idea of investment that he has in mind yeah. of like, why would you not invest in the imperishable yeah. and get so caught up in losing the perishable? Yeah, I, yeah, I love he so picturesque. He says that this was you. You once had an empty way of life mm. handed down to you from your ancestors. So mm. it's kind of like, oh wow, yeah, an empty way of life that we inherited. Mm. Our inheritance was empty. Yeah, and he just. You know, earlier you're talking about this inheritance that can never perish. Uh -huh. Spoiler fate. Uh -huh. Yeah, just so, so different. Such a study in contrast. Yeah. 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 And hopefully, you know, like you said, inspires us to be people who say, I don't want to live this life for this life. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll catch this a lot as we turn this corner here in chapter two. <laughs> really important for us as Christ followers, as people who apprentice under Jesus, to become people who do not live this life for this life. Yep. And I think there are far too many in our country today who claim to be Christians, but are living this life entirely for this life. Yeah. When we are called to really be almost radicals and extremists in the sense that we do not live this life with the cares and worries of this life, but of the next. Yep. And when we get there, we're like a really dangerous bunch yeah. because you can take every last thing from us. You can take our lives and it like doesn't matter at all because I'm not banking on any of this. And that's just another crown and another jewel in my crown in heaven. Yeah. And that is where I'm investing. That's where my hope and my investment is. And so take all of this away. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. And like, I just think what we've seen so far with Christ followers in our country over the last few years is it's like, don't take anything away. Don't, don't make me yeah. remotely uncomfortable. Oh, don't yeah. affect me in any way, shape or form. And it's like, I think we've got our hands really clenched on the perishable things. Yeah. And Peter very pastorally, very gently is trying to move us as he was trying to move his readers from this tight grasp we have on the things that are perishable to take hold of something that is so much better. So much better. <laughs> Absolutely. And you've got this repeated idea of faith and hope a lot here in this, yeah. you know, first chapter. I think as we look at that, you know, it can be like, great, faith and hope. Um, a lot of like very Bible-y words yep. for us. So what does it look like to be people of faith and hope? Like what do, practically, how should that look in us as people today, you know, walking and living in our modern context? What does it look like to be people of faith and hope? Mm. Uh, uh, something that has been... Um, growing in me has been my need for to for prayer mm. for just time uh just talking with god um and uh for me that has been one of the primary ways that these concepts of faith and hope uh 
mm-hmm. um, kind of have a tangible expression in my life mm-hmm. is just that I'm I am more committed now at this stage of my my life um, to just yeah to just spending daily time and then times of like long one of the things I loved about rooted was spending an hour in yeah. prayer I just um, it, it, it's a it's a way to make these somewhat intangible concepts that are very religious very churchy very bible um, faith and hope and they sound so good but like actually expressing that by having a conversation with a person mm-hmm. that I've never seen with these eyes mm-hmm. um, that I've never heard with these ears mm-hmm. um, I can't touch him I can't smell him mm-hmm. um, but I'm having this conversation that's a, com- a faith conversation in hope mm-hmm. like a like not I wish but a confidence that he's hearing everything mm-hmm. that he cares that he's that he knows that he's got power to to do something about the things that I'm talking about and that I can just have this sort of settled confidence that the things that I bring to him I can trust him with Peter is going to say a little later on in this uh, in his letter um, that we should cast our mm. cares mm. on him because he cares for us mm. and uh, and so that that probably for me has been the single greatest um, exercise that I can engage in mm. that just encourages <laughs> a little more tangible and uh, expression of, of those two concepts for me. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really good. Prayer is really a space that we become changed people. Mm. And I think very underrated for us. It's not as flashy or as tangible as singing songs or listening to a message or a good podcast or whatever i just heard um, prayer described as wasting time on god Hmm. and i thought that was such a great idea uh, of framing what prayer is it doesn't feel or seem productive to us in the moment right it seems if anything so incredibly counterproductive because i'm It feels like I'm almost just in the therapy chair with God and I'm telling him all the things that I'm worried about. But it's like, well, why don't I just go, I'm worried about money. Why don't I just go work and make money and not pray about it? Like, let's just go do something or I'm whatever I'm worried about. Why don't I just go work on that thing? And it requires a lot of faith to be people of prayer, to be people who are committed to prayer and committed to, I, I think the, the concept that is growing for me in my faith right now is the idea of dependence, which comes through a lot in prayer. Mm. But I'm just realizing the total depth that we're called to, to be people of faith in every aspect of our life, because we're called to be a people who depend on God in every aspect of our life, not like, well, this is the stuff that I do pretty good and I'm pretty competent in and I've got enough strength to generally get through a work day and so I'm good there and, oh, but my aunt is dying of cancer so I need you there, right? And it's like, wow, I am just putting prayer in this like really tiny box of what I think it should be when I'm missing all that it is and can be, which is that I've got this need to depend 
this need to be in the presence of God and to be aware of his presence, empowered by his spirit. Man, I, even from last week, a lot of conversation with Matt last week about if I'm going to be changed, it's going to be by the presence of God. It's mm. going to be by the spirit of God, not by my own strength, not my, my own will. And so I need that if I want to be transformed at all. And so it's just like across the board, I'm seeing such a need for depending, mm. such a need for leaning into God in faith. And I think when we do that, especially through this medium of prayer, we become people of great hope because it's when we're connected to the presence of God, it resets our perspective and our vision. And prayer is doing exactly what we were talking about before this. It gets our eyes off of the perishable onto the imperishable. It's almost like the initial comments in prayer are all of the perishable things that I have just been white knuckling, holding on to. And prayer is the process of like letting go of those things. And then what few of us make it to in prayer, we don't spend nearly enough time, is right when you hit that moment of like, okay, I've let go of these perishable things. It's like, then we're like, okay, amen, thank you, God. And it's like, we miss this opportunity to like, now I get to seize the imperishable, his presence and his power in my life and take hold of that and say, that's what I need. That's I've been holding on to lesser things. This is what I want. And it's like, we're missing that second rung that we get to grab onto, which is the imperishable. Mm-hmm. Yep. I... <laughs> Yeah, can't can't agree more. And I, yeah, uh, there's a part of me that wants to just run in. Let's talk more about twenty verse twenty two. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, but there's so it. I love again. I love the the richness, the fullness, the the denseness of everything that Peter's, um, you know, working us through. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's been been helpful. It's been encouraging. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. And hopefully you're enjoying the pace of the series and uh, you've got good takeaways as well. If you've got a takeaway from this weekend's message, we'd love to know it. If you leave it there in the comments, we'd just be encouraged to see what God's doing in you. As always, don't forget to like the video and subscribe so that you get future videos as well. That's all we have for this week on Tangible Takeaways. We'll catch you guys next week.